This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how you doing? I'm great. Uh, I've decided that this episode will be dedicated to the hit CW television show Arrow because <laughs> we're both celebrating Green Arrows after Game Week 11. That's true. It's a rare podcast where it's it's all green for me, except except the 50 buck cup where I was already in first place. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. The, we'll we'll <laughs> rename the episode the Gray Dot episode. <laughs> If there's anything better than a green arrow, it's a gray dot, which means you really can't do any better. <laughs> so I am I'm happy to be here. I'm glad that we're recording uh, on a Monday. I don't think I could have recorded yesterday because uh, I'm just you know. So we, we had a friend, uh, one of the uh, 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 a friend on Twitter, uh, and now now if I may go so far as to say, a friend in real life, uh, Nick Wright, uh, was in town from the UK, and he. Uh, Looked us up and said, "Hey, do you guys want to meet for a drink and watch some uh, some pure watches?" And uh, of course, we said yes. And uh, I, yeah, I just I'm not used to the 7 a.m. bar trips anymore, Brandon. I had to like I had to get myself geared up again. <laughs> yeah, I did drag myself to the bar for the North London Derby, which started at 7 a.m. promptly here, uh, New York East Coast Standard Time. Can I say that it was worth getting up that early? Okay, look, here's here's a question. This is this this like speaks to people's watching habits. I knew that if I got up at seven and sat up and sat myself on the couch to watch the North London Derby, it would be harder for me to unplant myself from the couch to get out to the bar for the next round of fixtures. So I decided to just like it's like ripping out off a bandaid. Just get out the door, get out to the pub, and set yourself up there. Did you walk over? Because it's about a forty minute walk from your apartment. I did walk. Um, wow, it's bracing. <laughs> Six a.m. <laughs> it was bracing. You, you really start to question what it is that your life is all about at that point. When I mean, not even the <laughs> the coffee shops aren't even open that early. So I, I have no caffeine in my system. Right, uh, walking the, in the brisk fall air to meet <laughs> to meet Nick Wright, who uh, is was a really cool guy. But I had I had no idea what kind of guy this was. I was on my way to meet. That's true. I mean, it's a total it's a total crapshoot. Any, anytime like we we meet up with listeners. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> we're always excited to do it. And there's that moment, like two minutes before we're like, Oh man, like, is this going to be terrible? Like, well, I, is is going to be any fun now. Uh, and, and it's always, it's always been great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I went to Scotland actually to meet, uh, if you're listening, Colin, Colin and Graham, who, who met up with me in Edinburgh. And that was kind of different because I was meeting them on their turf. So it was fun to have Nick from the UK here uh, meeting us in Brooklyn. I felt a little safer. And, you know, the upshot was that uh, the matches we watched were fantastic. Okay, so the, the North London Derby, um, from a fantasy perspective, a little bit of a dud. Um, I mean, I, no one really has Harry Kane right now. The only Arsenal goal was an own goal. Um, I had dropped Walcott, and so the only coverage I had was Nacho Monreal. So I felt pretty good with the results, all things considered. I mean, you know, five points from Ozil, uh, two from Sanchez, two from Walcott, you know, two from Czech. Uh, it's about as good as it's going to get. Yeah, there was one potentially great fantasy moment for me because I'm, I was still holding on to Walcott and Ozil in my midfield. And we'll all remember Walcott breaking down the right flank of the field and just let a shot rip and it goes off of the post, bounces directly into the path <laughs> of Mesut Ozil. And I'm thinking, perfect, assist, Goal for both of my midfielders and Ozil. I mean, it, it was he had to basically pluck a half volley out of the air, running full steam ahead, and it was going to be right. very difficult to convert. But had it happened, sure. it would have been beautiful. Instead, I end up with just an Ozil assist, and this is perhaps the only game in history where Ozil has got attacking points but no BPS. Yeah, the the whole Arsenal attack was a little. I mean, I, I, I suppose you have to give some credit to the. Uh, the Spurs defense, but uh, the attack I thought was a little muted in general. It was a kind of an interesting match. I, you know, I was listening to the the um, football, the Guardians football weekly podcast, and they were they were kind of calling it a bit of a dud. But I I was pretty entertained by the match. I, I thought it was kind of an interesting back and forth. You know, I mean, it, it was one of those games where once Harry Kane scored, you kind of knew no one else was going to score. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there were just very few scoring chances after that goal went in. For me, the big takeaway of the game was that Alexis Sanchez did not look. Uh, anywhere close to his best. And I think he, he'll yeah. have at least one of those games every month where he, he, he just can't connect a pass and he looks totally out of sync with his teammates. Yeah. I wouldn't be terribly concerned if I was an Alexis Sanchez owner. We're going to talk a lot about midfielders later yeah. on in the podcast, so maybe we'll get to this later. It's frustrating, though, when you're, when you're 11, whatever he is right now, 11.4 or something uh, million midfielder, doesn't do anything when you know that Every Liverpool midfielder is putting up, you know, somewhere between 10 and 15 points, you know, seemingly every game week. And, um, you know, and then you've got KDB putting in points and um, obviously uh, Eden Hazard as well. You know, it's a very it's very tricky time, I think, for for fantasy managers. But, you know, as you said, we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. I think my my uh, the memory that I'll I'll hold most dear in our encounter with deputy cheater Nick Wright was uh, Nick was trying to talk to us about like, you know, what kind of people we are, how do we get into the podcast, all these all these cool questions. And I kept interrupting him right when Kapu was about to do something. <laughs> I just sort of like stick my hand in Nick's face and get out of get out of my stool and You put your fingers in his mouth at one point, which I thought was a, a bit too far. <laughs> that was definitely for for all those people where it was kind of Kapu's last stand in their teams. There were there were some teasing looks for Kapu there and it just didn't I mean, come to be the last day it was I mean it was when a ball literally 
you know, it kind of beats Carius, or or he, I guess he stops it. He stopped it just enough that it basically rolled at like half a kilometer per hour. Yeah, uh, towards the. I like I said kilometer per hour. Well, you, <laughs> you're a, more you're more British than you ever thought you were. I'm starting to change. I do say football more than I say soccer. <laughs> you have now, changed. Speaking of uh, change, Josh, I see next in the running order, we have to talk about an important lesson that you learned <clears> this weekend. Okay, this is. You could almost build a whole section around this, Brandon, but it's it's so important that I'm going to put it at the top of the podcast. I'm doing a full a full. I, I am as serious as a heart attack now, Brandon. Are you ready for this? Okay, I'm. I'm it actually, sounds like I'm about to make a joke, but I'm. I, I, I am <laughs> serious. Okay, yeah, go. Okay. The, the floor is yours, Josh. So I have uh, I have two players in my team that. Um, I haven't been able to get rid of for for one reason or another, mostly because of injuries uh, or for players who perform worse. I had kind of a bad run from, I don't know, game week seven to ten or so. Um, and so somehow I ended up having uh, Raheem Sterling and Antonio on my team going into these fixtures. And these are players that most people have really cut bait with you know, two or three weeks ago as their kind of lack of scoring continued. And um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold Sterling for – the Middlesbrough fixture, and I'm going to. I'm, I'm not going to bring in Eden Hazard, even though I could. I could move. I had enough money in the bank that I could move uh, Sterling to Hazard for for a zero point hit, right? Just a straight transfer. Um, and I said, you know what? He's going to come good because of this good fixture. And um, you know, lo and behold, Saturday comes around, and Hazard racks up 19 points, and uh, Sterling uh, doesn't even make the bench, just does not play at all, and. It was about as low as I can remember feeling as as an FBL manager. You've had I, some, I mean, you've had I mean, yeah. Brandy, you've had some soaring highs, Josh, but you have had some low lows. So this is saying something. The last I, I'm on a 50 month cooler right now, or a 50 game week cooler. Uh, it was I just felt I felt very yeah I mean yeah the, I, I I've been joking a couple I've said to a couple of different people that like the last like good game week I had was game week 38 of the 2014 2015 season yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's not entirely true and you know even last year I, I turned around by the end but. Um, you know, I just feel like I've been made. I don't know. You know, this happens in poker a lot. You know, where the people just go on a cooler and they just have, you know, they they, they run bad for a little while. And you know, I mean, let's not pretend there's not a, lo- a lot of luck involved in the fantasy game. I know that for for certain brilliant managers, maybe this never happens. You know, um, so you what know, is so what is Billy the lesson or something? What is okay, the lesson that you learned? Sorry, it's all I'm I'm building Frank. because I'm, okay, all right, because so, right now I'm hearing a lot of hindsight is 2020. Okay, the lesson is. Don't count on a good fixture to break to break a, a mediocre player out of a slump, uh-huh. right? Okay, right, okay. so I don't know if I, I quite frame. I probably should have written no, this no, out. No, I'm okay. I'm with you. I think that makes perfect sense. So you have a player, uh, Ibrahimovic is another good example of this, where he actually did turn okay in the Swansea match. But the, the the overwhelming advice would be: it doesn't matter how enticing that Swansea match looks. This guy is in terrible form. Drop him. Right. Although in his case, you could argue that you 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 held with him long enough to get those returns because he is a great player with a ten year record of scoring tons of goals. Right. He scores. He scores in the league. He scores uh-huh. in the Champions League. He scores. He scores everywhere. You know he's going to score. And this is why when. You know, when when Sergio Aguero has a run where he looks poor or doesn't really perform, you don't drop him before that West Brom game because he has this 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 track record of, of being a, a great scorer. But when you've got a player like Raheem Sterling and Antonio, who are not great scorers, I mean, you know, Raheem Sterling is sort of famous for 
having like what seems like a brick wall around the goal sometimes, you know, I mean, he's super fast. Uh, he has great instincts. He often gets into fantastic position position, but he can't finish. Right. And so, you know, he started the, the, you know, the first half of the season, super hot. Um, it was like, Oh, he finally figured it out. He finally finished, but you know, reborn people said what's ahead. Reborn. Reborn. Exactly. But after three or four weeks, it's just it wasn't going to turn around for him, and you just don't know that he's you know that he's not a a spectacular goal scorer or even or even a player like Ozil who is spectacular at creating chances for other players, right? He's sort of I mean Theo Walcott falls in this category too. Yeah. You know these are these are these are players they they tend to be players who play out in the wing and they tend to be form players. You know they go on these runs where they're spectacular and they sort of disappear for a while, um, and so. I should it have makes moved. you appreciate, Josh, a guy, a player like Jesus Navas, who is one of the most consistent uh, wingers in the league. <laughs> That's true. He just for never. All, for all, yeah, for all the wrong reasons, he's in. He's he is yeah, consistent. Exactly. He never tempts. So I think that just I think that I have been too nice to the players on my team <laughs> the last few weeks, and I have been I've been rooting for them and I've been pulling for them, and I need to be more ruthless with my transfers. Right. You need to be less a kindergarten teacher and more a high school vice principal. Exactly. I've gotten soft. And so, so that, I think that's, that was the lesson. I just, I forgot it. I forgot that you, if you, you know, if, if you're talking about the best players in the league, I mean, okay. So I guess the, the counter example to this would be Eden Hazard last year, who, um, who I stuck with for 10 or 11 weeks because he's such a spectacular player. I was, you know, he'd scored 14 goals in tennis, two seasons in a row. I, I really felt strongly that, you know, he was gonna be able to keep it going. And, um, and it just didn't happen, you know. So sometimes, sometimes, it, and I think maybe that got me like a little jumpy. I don't know, like it, like like messed up my instincts a yeah. little bit or something. But um, so Sterling's out, and I think that this lesson is really important and one I'm going to try to keep to the rest of the season. All right. So you brought up the magic word Hazard, and I wanted to touch real briefly on two key things that uh, are on the are on the in the front of every manager's mind right now: a knee jerking. Um, because we're we're talking about Chelsea and Liverpool here, what is our philosophy about knee jerking, and also the 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 tendency to knee jerk or withhold and wait too long when we're heading into what is now an international break? So okay. I don't know that you bringing in Hazard uh, over the weekend qual- qualifies as a knee jerk because you had basically already in your mind brought him into your team. You just didn't right. pull the trigger. But, uh, yeah, I, and I brought him in on Saturday because uh, I went I was, the FPL price changes whatever FPL Statistico or you know you know the one that everybody uses. Um, they uh, they told me that Hazard was due for a rise and Sterling was due for a fall, and I just thought screw it. I'm just I, I had two transfers to make this week anyway, so uh, I, I just made that transfer right away. It was a very easy transfer to make. So this the idea of knee jerking is kind of killing me this season because typically I try to think about my team value. And I do make transfers earlier in the week. Rarely, rarely does it burn me. But for whatever reason, this season, I've been a little more lackadaisical with uh, I've been waiting longer and my team value has definitely suffered for it. Um, Like that, we talked about this last week where I was planning on bringing in Joe Allen along with Troy Deeney. And um, because I waited a couple days too long, I could no longer afford both of those guys. And I ended up with uh, my new favorite midfielder, Martin Darun. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, uh, now but, you got to feel pretty good about having to run. I mean, I, I feel good in so far as that his value will probably go up from 4.3 million to 4.4. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's all right. 
And I mean, if he plays the full 90 and scores a beautiful headed goal against Manchester City, I think that it endears himself to his manager. So he'll, he'll surely see a lot more starts for that team. But um, I have to I have to be a little fearful for, for the managers out there that are have already knee jerked Liverpool and Chelsea midfielders into their squad just because, as it always happens with international breaks, there's a lot there's a lot that can happen. There are injuries that can happen. There is form that can be broken. And we see, I feel like we see it time and time again with the match weeks that happen after an international break. They can be a little more sluggish and low scoring. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know that this is true with just the scorching form that Liverpool and Chelsea are in right now. But yeah. are, are you you're bringing in Firmino and Coutinho expecting them to get, you know, 15 points a pop week in, week out? Are we going to see a big dip when we get back from this break? Well, I... I don't think so. I mean, I, I typically do side with you, and I, I, especially in international break, I like to wait as long as possible. But, I mean, yeah, with, with Coutinho for me, now, there's a good chance that one or both of them could end up uh, being on the bench uh, for the next game week. Um, although, given that the next fixture, I believe it's Southampton away, so it's not exactly an easy fixture. It's probably one they have to play you know, a pretty good squad for. Um, I mean, you know, I, I, th- I just think that... Anyone who watches that Liverpool squad right now, anybody who looks at the the stats for these players, I, I think that it just seems like a pretty safe bet to me. I mean, it's you know, and and Hazard is the same way. I mean, whatever happened last season, like I, it appears to be over, you know. And right. um, I mean, that whole attack right now just it seems like it's flowing through him. And given how much his price is going to rise, I mean, so I guess it depends on how quick you make the move. I mean, he's already risen point one. I think he's about to rise again. So. <laughs> I mean, if you've already missed two price jumps, then what's another tenth? You might as well just wait until the end of next week, you know. Right, right. And, uh, and for, yeah. for those listeners that aren't aren't privy, a player can only rise by 0.3 million within one transfer window. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, you know, my case, I wanted to get ahead of that 0.3. Um, I, I, you know, I had thought about, okay, so the Hazard versus Sterling thing. I mean, obviously, in, in hindsight, it, you feel terrible. It, it effectively cost me 17 points. Um, and you know, but in, in my head, it, it seemed reasonable. I mean, Everton has a pretty good defense. I mean, I didn't know that Jake Yelka apparently died like eight days ago and, uh, he's, <laughs> he's been replaced by just a fat, a fat version of himself. <laughs> I was telling you, you, I was, you I, I was telling you this uh, when I saw you yesterday at Sunday, uh, watching the end of that Everton Chelsea game, there was a, there was the camera just zoomed in on yeah. Jagielka's torso walking off the field, and you could see it wasn't just like his shirt was hitting the wrong way on his stomach. The dude had was fat. The dude was fat. <laughs> he had a t- see, he had a tire. He had a tire his- around his <laughs> around his waist. It yeah. it was unmistakable. Yeah. Well, okay. So, but back to Hazard for a second. So meanwhile, he gets a call up for the England squad. So what do I know? Yeah. So, I mean, for them to do so well against a pretty good defense was, was part of the reason why I wanted to make the move, but also, uh, he was, he was 9.9 on Saturday, which is actually 0.1 below his starting price for the season. By the time the fixtures get really good for Chelsea, which is probably game week 15, um, they have a good fixture at Middlesbrough away in game week 12. And then they play, um, two pretty tough games. They play Spurs and they play City back to back, followed by West Brom, Sunderland, Crystal Palace. All, all fixtures you want a Chelsea player for. Uh, but if I waited until game week 15, I mean, there's a good chance this price is 10.6 or 10.7. Yeah. Um, and so I decided just to move now and hope that he, um, 
could pick up some points, you know, in those tough fixtures. It's kind of a long, it, to me, it was like a long-term investment to bring him in right away. Yeah, I think the question of knee-jerk is also vexing me because there are three must-have inform midfielders right now. Firmino, Coutinho, and Hazard. Now you have all three of them, and I have none of them. And I can't really knee-jerk because I don't I don't know which of those three to get in at the yeah. moment. So I, I, I just need time to think about it, and it's, it's not going to be a quick decision for me. Therefore, I'm not knee-jerking. So anyway... <laughs> This little all philosophy right. <laughs> will inform all the talk that we uh, have going forward about about yeah. midfielders. And if you want me to explain my FPL lesson uh, over Twitter or something, please let me know because I'm not sure I'm not sure how clear I was. So hopefully, hopefully it did make sense though. Uh, Brennan, before we get into uh, the Hail Cheaters Super League Top 10, I uh, wanted to mention uh, that we have a special topic for next week's episode. Uh, international break, I thought we could mix it up a little bit. Uh, we'll still do a Game Week 12 preview, but I thought the other topic for the week could be if you could change anything about the FPL, whether it's the site, whether it's the way the game is run, uh, whatever, what would it be? And I thought we'd uh, we'd talk through the best answers in the podcast. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, so people can uh, tell us what they want to change, one thing, um, right. and be be pithy about it. Hit us up on Twitter, at Hail Cheaters, our Facebook page, which is blossoming, thanks to everyone who's liking us <laughs> on Facebook. It's yeah. facebook.com slash alwayscheating, or you can just send us an email through our website, alwayscheating.com, or hailcheaters at gmail.com. You got it. Uh, all right. So uh, moving on. Uh, so, Brendan, I, I picked up 61 points this game week. I think you picked up 58. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Call me oh, the we, green. We, call me the green arrow. You're you're the green. You're the gray dot and I'm the green arrow. <laughs> uh, but that was not enough for us to crack the top 10 of the Hail Cheaters Super League. Uh, shall we run through the top 10 here, Brandon? Yeah. So currently I reside in 543rd pl- place. So that's <laughs> that is no match to our first place <laughs> manager. But that's out of like 1400 managers. So you can't you can't feel too bad about. That. Yes, it's true. I'm not I'm not in last place. I, I am. Uh, I'm battling with the rest of you listeners. <laughs> All right, we have a new first-place manager. It's Arshan Badawala, his squad A-team. He scored 67 points on the game week, total score of 678, which means he's ranked overall in the world 872. So that's a manager in the, in the top 1,000. Very impressive, Arshan. Second place, David Fellheim, the Cuddly Koalas. Big 74 points on the game week. Third place, BTSTU, that's Mitch Maynard, uh, who was uh, first place last week. So that's a dip in form for Mitch Maynard, Facebook Photoshop extraordinaire. Fourth place, Heaton Me for Minule, William Sutton's squad. He scored 62 points this game week. In fifth, it's Billich's Beauties. That's Matt Floyd's squad, 68 points this week. Sixth place, Lads on Torre, Nick Forrester's team. In seventh, the Onion Baggers, Jamie Robinson. And uh, we have eighth place, Sound of the Police. <laughs> I can never, I can never, I can never sort of cut that baby in half between pol- police and Pulis. Mm-hmm. The sound of the sound of the Pulis. You did a great job. Thanks a lot, Josh. <laughs> Ninth place, Lamella's Gloves. That's James Slauson's squad. And in tenth, it's Clichy's Clean Sheets. Fabio Borges. There was no clean sheet for Clichy this week, but Fabio, you're doing well there in 10th place. Congratulations to everyone in the Hail Cheaters Super League. You can still join. Just go to alwayscheating.com and click the League tab. There is the auto-join button right there. That's right. And we have a trophy this year. We talked about this many, many weeks ago, but if uh, if you forgot we have a trophy, I don't know what it's going to be yet. 
Uh, yeah, we, 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 have a, we have a promise of a trophy. We don't actually have the physical trophy yet. So if you have suggestions as to um, what sort of livestock you want um, mounted <laughs> yeah. on top of this trophy. If you're, yeah, if your uncle's friend's former roommate owns a trophy shop or something like that, let us know. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure maybe as we get closer to the end of the season, we should pick a trophy shop that is in the country of wherever our first place manager is going to be. It'll save us on shipping, I think. That's true. That's true. Brandon, we have two meltdowns this week. Our meltdown of the week uh, first comes from Tom Knight. Okay. Tom, Tom Knight says, is there an unwritten rule that when using all out attack, one of your strikers mids won't play EG Sterling for me this game week? I think Tom knows that there is an unwritten rule that says that. We all know that all attack never works for anybody. Uh, never, we, it never has, never will. I can't think of a, a single situation where it did. I think we put out like a call to arms, like for, for anybody to tell us a story of an all attack working, and it, it was just, it was like one horror story after another. Yeah, the same thing happened to me last season. I haven't played my all out attack yet, but last season I did, and Ozil. I don't even know if he was on the bench. I think he was just out injured. And there, yeah, I think he had the flu or something. Yeah. So, nope, never going to happen. <laughs> uh, AMHA9 United says, I transferred Benteke out for Lukaku last game week because of Lukaku's form. He blanks this game week, and Benteke scores. Hashtag blankaku. Now, there's not really much you can add to that. I mean, it... It, it it does go to the the theory that you should trust form over fixture. It's kind of like the lesson you you sort of learned this weekend, right, Josh? I think I think that is a perfectly acceptable move. Uh, I don't know if I would have transferred in Lukaku before an away match to Chelsea, uh, given how well their defenses looked. But uh, certainly as a long term move, I think you're going to be happier with Lukaku. I mean, he's home to Swansea this game week, so you know it's fine. Yeah. All right, Brandon, enough, enough ranting, enough meltdowns. Let's get right. Let's take a quick break and then let's get right into our midfield madness section of this week's podcast. Same old podcast, always shading. All right, we're back and we're entering midfield madness. Uh, if one thing became uh, violently clear this weekend, violently clear, that was a strange word for me to grasp for. <laughs> it, it was that uh, we need Liverpool and Chelsea midfielders more than we need any players in our squads. I mean, maybe you could make the argument you need Chelsea defense as well. You know, Brett, I was, I was in a meeting a, a few days ago when I used the expression, is violently just not a word that people really use as an adjective? I, I don't know. I... I said something, uh, someone like had an idea and I said, well, I'm not violently opposed to it. And everyone recoiled in the meeting. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was really is. Yeah. Violently is not a word that really uh, lends itself to. to uh, unless you're Bjork and you, you have a <laughs> hit song violently happy. That's where I picked it up from. I learned it from you, Bjork. All right. Anyway, back to the podcast. So uh, we're going to run through a lot of questions that we got online were about uh, top-tier midfielders, and we're just going to run through all your questions and sort out our general feelings about where we are right now with investing in all of these midfield players. First one comes from Trevor Ingerson. Trevor, uh, one of our uh, former co-hosts, if you'll remember. If you could get three players from either Chelsea or Liverpool right now, price doesn't matter. You can afford anyone in this scenario. Who would you pick? We talked about this at the top of the podcast. And I think if I could pick any three players from the entire squad, forward, midfield, defense, I would actually pick the three players that I have right now, which are uh, Coutinho, Firmino, and Hazard. And I hesitated for a second because I could see wanting Costa more than Hazard. What do you yeah. think? Uh. 
Yeah, I, 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 I can't argue with that. I, I feel like Costa could conceivably be more consistent long-term over the season, assuming the team form continues, because Costa is the tip of the spear and the uh, Hazard, even at his best, can be a little mercurial. So yeah, I, I could maybe I'll be devil's advocate here, and I will I will pick three other players. I would go. Um, I mean, from Chelsea, I think the other ones that are on the bubble there right now would be you'd pick between Aspilicueta and Alonso. Let's go with Alonso based on current form. Alonso, Pedro, and Costa. So Pedro is the is the value for Chelsea midfield. So say you've got a lot of things going on in your midfield right now, or you're over invested in your front line and you can't afford Hazard right now it looks like Pedro is a he is he's a, probably a little bit better than Lalana in terms of attacking threat for Chelsea yeah I, I don't know that I agree with that and my my concern with Pedro too is I'm still not sure that he's a long-term starter on that squad right I mean I, you know I know that they're in good form right now and he's probably got a spot until until he loses a little bit of form but I still think long term that he's in William's spot and I think that William will will I mean William is a I mean based on the evidence of last season you know he is a spectacular player I mean it may be that he doesn't fit into the 3-5-2 as well I'm not sure uh, I don't know why he wouldn't though I mean given given his strengths that's and, my that is my question about the 3-5-2 and I, I feel like William has kind of been uh off on the sidelines once they they changed to that system and I it, it, Pedro looks like he he looks well he looks way better than he did at the start of the season. We and I I was actually making the case for Willian I think a couple weeks ago that I thought Willian would jump back into Pedro's position just cuz he's yeah. a better footballer, but the way I see Pedro fitting in there it seems pretty seamless the last couple of weeks and I yeah. actually think that Willian is going to have to fight for that spot. I, I think that the price point is kind of tricky for Pedro, though. I, first of all, I don't know that I trust him to be in good form coming out of the international break. I, you know, it's, I mean, obviously Pedro was a great player for Barcelona, but you know what we saw last year was really um, was really you know I don't know off putting. And um, he's what thirty one, maybe he's thirty two now. I don't know that he's going to get an extended run out. He's not going to play ninety in a lot of fixtures. I wouldn't think. I mean, they're going to manage his minutes a little bit. So. Um, and I also find his price point to be a little tricky. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of feel like what you want right now are three kind of expensive midfielders, and maybe the one sub five point five, sub six point oh, a gun to gun, and Allen. We're going to talk about those guys in a minute. Um, and I, at seven, I feel like it kind of pinches your budget in other areas. You know, I mean, it seems like the template that we're starting to see, I think right now, the new template, I know that's like it changes every three weeks or whatever, but you know, it's two expensive forwards, a a cheap Charlie Austin type third forward, uh, three expensive midfielders, a cost effective fourth midfielder, someone you can like dump at the end of the bench, like a Darren Fletcher. And then, um, maybe like two strong defenders. Right. I, I still do see Pedro as coverage. So if, it's it. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think he is legitimate Chelsea coverage. If you can't get Hazard or, but is, is coverage even a real thing? I, I I feel like I'm not sure that I even trust coverage as a as a concept. It is a total real thing because if you look at the last four game weeks, Leicester United, Southampton, Everton, Pedro has two goals and four assists. He's been yeah. involved in. One, two, three, four, six of Chelsea's however many goals, and you, you're, you're just that is a real thing. You're, you're, yeah. 
you're covering those points that the Hazard and Costa owners have if you can't get in on those points. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on Pedro here a little bit. Yes, that's fine. I, I may never speak to you. Again. <laughs> uh, Uppercut Pan says, triple up on Liverpool midfielders. That's the way to go, right? I can't say no. Dare I say, though, it's it's too much. It seems like a bit too much. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not suggesting that you get two Liverpool midfielders and go nuts and buy a Liverpool defender. I think we talked about this a little bit in the last week's podcast. I mean, it, it puts all your eggs in one basket. I mean, even given how spectacular they look, you know, they still, I mean, they're still capable of losing 2-0 on the road to Burnley, you know, and, and you really, yeah, if you, you're, you know, if, if you're like, you know, if you're, if you're putting money in the bank, you, you know, you'd, or, you know, you're, 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 you have a 401k or something, you know, you got to diversify your portfolio a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Say Liverpool has one bad game week. Your midfield is, is decimated if you're tripled up. Yeah, exactly. Jeremiah Johnson asked, tripling up on Liverpool mids looks good, but not sustainable. Or is it? They can't score four-plus goals every week, can they? No, I mean, like like you were talking about a minute ago. I don't think so. I mean, it's... They there are times when you when you when you watch them win six nothing, and we saw this a little bit last season too, especially near the end of the year, uh, where I mean they look like they can't be stopped. I mean it's it's such a, you know especially with Coutinho and Firmino and God Firmino is really a, a spectacular player. I mean and you know a lot's been written about him the last last couple of weeks just in traditional news outlets about just how complete he is on that um, in that Klopp squad. I mean he's just. You know, he's tracking back, he's winning the ball, he's starting the attack, and then he's running forward and, you know, delivering the final ball. I mean, it's really, um, he looks fantastic. I'm actually surprised he's getting more bonus points, given all the hard work that he's doing. We are at the tipping point, I think. It's kind of a lazy comparison to compare this Liverpool squad to the uh, the Sterling, uh, Sterling Suarez uh, Sturridge squad, but I think we're, we're very close to that actually becoming a thing and us actually having to triple up. On Liverpool. The, the prob- thing is, the problem is, is there with uh, the, uh, Sterling Sanchez uh, and Sturridge is there was a mix of midfield and strikers, and here it's all midfielders, and it makes it a little tricky to work around in your in your FPL team. I think what makes having at least two Liverpool midfielders so compelling is that until their prices get out of control, you can have Coutinho and Firmino for 17 million or thereabouts. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the exact, I don't have like their exact prices on hand right now, but they're, they're about 8.5 million each. Uh, Maybe, maybe a little bit higher now. So for that price, you're getting, you know, one, one top midfielder, like an Alexis or an Azard and one like very low, Midfielder, you know, someone who's kind of inconsistent, perhaps, and you're just you're you're getting a lot of value. You can afford to have these players. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can afford to have two of them and still have Eden Hazard and still have one pretty decent fourth midfielder. You know, if if this if you know, I mean, we're not even talking about someone like KDB. You know, like if you have KDB and you have Hazard and you have Ibrahimovic and you have Alexis, there's no money to go around. You know, but because these guys are so cheap right now. It's it's even more sort of compelling to bring in to, to to you know to even double up on Coutinho and Firmino because it's just not sending you back that much money. All right, Jeff Petter asks lots of focus, rightly so, on Liverpool as evidenced by the last forty five minutes of this podcast. Uh, Liverpool and Chelsea assets, but who is potentially going under the radar in the meantime? So Liverpool, great. Chelsea, great. But who are we who are we sleeping on right now? 
It's it's a very good question. I, KDB, I guess, is the one that sticks out to me a little bit. Kind of. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, I you think... Know, his price just makes it kind of hard to bring him in right now. It does. His price with and his very um, sort of tepid form. I mean, it, it, KDB's form and Manchester City's team form right now it's it's just not compelling at that price point i think we've i think we started sleeping on some of the midfielders that uh were bubbling up like in game week one your robert snodgrasses um god i was i was like half tempted to say ramirez there for a second but uh (laughs) that's that's completely silly yeah nathan redmond there, but frankly, there just isn't anyone that we're sleeping on right now. I think that a lot of teams are underperforming. I mean, look at that Everton midfield. What are you going to choose between Belasi and Ross Barkley? I don't yeah. see those guys as compelling options when you're... It feels like everything is moving so fast this year. You know, I mean, a guy like Gundogan has a good performance, and he rises... So he rose 0.3 in a week last week, and then he rose another 0.1 on Saturday. I mean, like he went from undervalued midfield option to slightly expensive player for a defensive midfield. I mean, he's up to 5.8 now, you know, like, I mean, he's still good value at 5.8, but he's, he's starting to get a little too pricey in my opinion, you know, given, given his role. I mean, I know he looked good and, um, you know, yesterday or not yesterday, um, on, uh, on Saturday, but, I don't know. I mean, do you, how do you feel about Gundogan? I guess we're kind of, we're jumping the gun here a little bit, but are you are you thinking about bringing him in? Would you want to bring him in? If I were on a wild card right now, I'd absolutely want to bring Gundogan in because he. I think a lot of managers will be disappointed that he didn't get any attacking points on Saturday, but um, he was he was in the penalty box as advertised. He was getting looks at goal. Everyone was concerned. Well, this guy's all you know the most goals he's ever scored in a season is five. Um, so how can you think he's actually going to be on maybe 10 goals for the rest of the season? But I do think uh, in a, an attacking midfielder for one of the best teams in the league, under 6 million, who looks to be a nailed-on starter, that's that to me is a no-brainer. So I think Gundogan is, is a very strong option still. I, I'm definitely mispronouncing his name, by the way, too. It's it's Gundawan. Yeah, Gundawan. The, 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 the G is pronounced like a W. Got it. Okay. Uh, I mean, the next two fixtures are away to Crystal Palace and away to Burnley. Probably lots of goals in both those games. So I, I, I don't disagree with you. I have to say I, I was kind of nervous watching that match. Uh, I actually I didn't watch that match in protest because I was so mad about Sterling net playing. Uh, God, Sterling's already dropped point two this week. He's down to eight point one now. Wow, what a what a fall for I Sterling. Know. Right, right. He's he, he's almost going to turn into good value again. He's, <laughs> you know, he's going to get down to like seven point eight, and suddenly he's going to be a, a great option. Uh, you know, Theo Walcott is another player I'm sort of thinking about. Is uh, uh, I, it's not that he's off the radar. I mean, stuff doesn't move that quickly. But I mean, you know, his his price is dropping a little bit. Uh, Arsenal. You know, kind of a tough run. You know, he hasn't looked good the last couple of game weeks, but um, you know they're home to Bournemouth in two weeks, and you know that to me is a, a great fixture for for Walcott. And um, you know, I'm trying to kind of find a way to fit him into my team for that game week 13 fixture. It is a good three week fixture run there for them 13, 14, and 15 with Bournemouth, West Ham, and Stoke, and those are two home games within there. So yeah, I don't know if I I have the patience to hold on to Walcott at the moment because. I'm without any Liverpool or Chelsea midfield, and because of Walcott's price range, he's he's 
like public enemy number one in terms of freeing up cash for Chelsea or Liverpool. So I, yeah, though of course I do have Lalana in my midfield, <laughs> and I have no idea how Lalana managed to get all three bonus points neither, after that neither game. Do I. Yeah, that was shocking. It was totally shocking. This is this is the this is the point at which Kapu, um stops being a fun little hobby in my FPL team, and it, and it becomes very problematic. And I'm I can't move, I can't change him into anything at the moment. So you can't you can't change Kapu, Brandon. He is he is who he Kapu is. Don't try to change him, baby. <laughs> uh, Luke Thunberg says I have a dilemma, and I want Hazard, Sanchez, Aguero, Costa, and Lukaku all on my team, and I need more money. Um, I think it's a problem that we're all going through right now. And okay, I mean, this is just it's it's a. This is a really fun season so far, I have to say, even though uh, I may be not doing as well as I want at the start of the season. It's really fun because it is impossible to have all of the great players this year. And you have to gamble. You have to pick up three out of five of the, of the top performers. And you have to kind of, you know, I mean, I have an Adigo Costa all season. That guy's got like, what, like nine goals now and <laughs> yeah. 15 bonus points. And yeah. I, I still don't have a plan to bring him in. Cause I don't even know how I do it. You know, like I, there's just, who am I going to drop in that squad? And how do you know, how would I move things around? And, um, I love it. I, I think it's a, it's a great, if you can step back from it for a minute and like, or, you know, remove yourself from the stress of it because it is kind of stressful to have to pick these players. I mean, I've been, I can't remember the last, like, I don't know. I feel like last season I wasn't agonizing over every move the way I am this season. I'm really trying to, trying to get it right, you know, every single game week. Um, it is so, very stressful. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm thinking when I look at Luke's question, I'm thinking of what my response is going to be to how at one change I would make to the FPL game if I could. Yeah. More money. <laughs> More money. Uh, <laughs> James Drury says, I have KDB, Firmino, Alexis, Aguero, and Lukaku. I got to give a shout out to James Drury, by the way, because he's really, James Drury is making our Showstoppers League a lot more fun. He is, he is, he is, he is a, a mover and a shaker in the Showstoppers League. <laughs> he is a mover and a shaker. <laughs> well done, so how, James, yeah. How do I get Hazard in? The obvious move would be KDB or Sanchez to him, uh, but they both have great fixtures. I guess, to me, KDB would be the player that I would move for Alexis. Um just because uh, at ten point seven, I I still don't know that he's worth ten point seven. No, I mean he's it, not. It's he, he definitely yeah. isn't. Yeah, I mean not when you can not when you can move him into Coutinho, you know, for for two million cheaper. Okay, I'm going to say something super controversial here, but hashtag Snod is God. Robert Snodgrass is effectively playing the same game that KDB is right now for half the price. So yeah. um, KDB to. Uh, to Hazard, and if you miss that KDB style of play, Robert Snodgrass is your man. Yeah, I mean, you do KDB to Hazard, and if you do it, you know, fairly quickly, that's 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 point seven more in your bank that you can you know, you know that you can just use for whatever, right? I mean, maybe maybe Lukaku gets injured, and you can turn Lukaku into Costa or something like that uh, down the road. So uh, Jeremiah Johnson says <laughs> it's kind of funny actually. The next question it's like the complete opposite of our conclusion. Jeremiah Johnson says, "Is KDB sufficient city coverage if one wants to drop Aguero to free up funds?" I, I, I this I is a no. hard. It's <laughs> yeah, I guess no. It's a harder one to answer though because. I mean, taking Aguero out of your team does definitely change up your team value insofar as maybe KDB isn't that big of a a big of a yeah. burden for well, you to carry in your midfield. But is, isn't the easy answer here just to think of KDB as the player to drop instead of Aguero? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, we can you can go flash back in time to when we were arguing about Pedro versus the the rest of the FPL midfield. Um, <laughs> if you had to choose between KDB and Aguero, that is that's the easiest decision you have to make. Just keep Aguero. Don't worry about KDB. I totally agree. I mean, that, that West Brom game should have someone you didn't know, right? I mean, you just you just. Aguero is undroppable because he's capable of scoring between 15 and 20 points in any game week, and form doesn't really affect him. I've got to right? say, though, I am not liking this this new sort of emo side of Aguero we're seeing this season, yes. where he was he was so miffed during that Middlesberger game that he missed that open opportunity that basically he just starts lashing out at every Middlesberger player he can get his hands on. Yeah, he's he's in his own head a little bit. Although he's that first goal he scored was great. It was. It really yeah, was. And, and he's probably how many yellows is he on right now? Is he is he is he in four now? He might be on a caution. Yeah, I, don't, or, I don't know that he's played enough to, games yet to to get up to four yellows. He's at, at least three. Brendan, let's move on to section one a clause b paragraph four. Uh, mid-price midfielders. You got all of these expensive players. Who do you want to bring in? I've got three different questions that I'll tie into this. Jonathan Neal says, uh, "Gun to gun in at five point seven for a cheap midfield option to free up funds." Uh, Jamie Dean says, "Is the snod a returning god?" Praise snod. <laughs> Praise the snod. And Kings of Lions says, uh, "Leon, I should say." Uh, says, "Why is Snodgrass not getting the transfers that Gundogan, Allen, and Kapue received?" Okay. To take these to take these third question first, the reason that Snodgrass is a bit of a tricky option for people is because Hull City are terrible, <laughs> and they haven't been scoring a lot of goals, and they've been losing every match they play, and in, well, Snodgrass has been injured as well, right? And so yeah, you know, the, the, I, two, the two yeah. kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, Snodgrass yeah. comes in off the bench against Southampton, and guess what happens? Go uh, on an assist, and they beat yeah. Southampton. The second I saw him come on, I, you know, I have Virgil Van Dyke, and the second I saw him come on, I thought, "Oh God, this is <laughs> this is not going to be good for Southampton." I just, I just felt it, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah. So if, I, if, I love Snodgrass. If you and if you buy into that Snodgrass narrative that he is a returning god, just just get a load of this, right? Sunderland, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace—they have Spurs in game week sixteen, but back at it again with West Ham in game week seventeen. That's if Hull is going to get past the fact that they're terrible. It's a decent run to have Snodgrass to give Snodgrass a run out. I think so. You know, we talked about we talked about Gundogan already. I mean, Gundogan. Gundogan I think we both agree that Gundogan is a fantastic option. I, I, I worry that by the time I can bring, I, I don't really have a plan to bring him in right now. And by the time I do, I think his price is going to get a little unpalatable for me. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't love Gundogan at six point four million or something like that. You know, I like him at five point five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's a buy now situation or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Joe Allen is the one. So I have I made I have two transfers this week. I already, as I mentioned, uh, I took out Sterling and brought in Hazard. I wanted to get ahead of those price hits, and now I, I'm either going to make a, def, a move for my defense, or I'm going to um, I'm going to turn Antonio into uh, Joe Allen because I I love those Stoke fixtures, and it's really about whether I think that Antonio can do anything away to Spurs in game week twelve, and if so, I'd much rather spend the money on my defense this game week. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I'm looking at the uh, season ticker here in game week 14. I am really excited about this Manchester Chelsea matchup. Uh, Man City, yeah, I know that's a very interesting match, right? It is a pure. That is a just just to throw a little pure watch hashtag pure watch into this <laughs> podcast. I'm just sitting here thinking about mid price mids, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really care about mid price mids. What I really care about is Man City against Chelsea, yeah. game week 14. I, I think that if you were looking at the 
just in terms of where they play in the attack, I think that Snodgrass is probably the best option uh, with with Allen and Gundogan somewhere behind him. Yeah. Um, if you if the if the quality of the team, and I know that you love having coverage, Brandon. If coverage is an important thing, then maybe Gundogan is the player for you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I would I would take Gundogan over KDB. Uh, that's an that's an easy question for me to answer. I think these three mid price mids are actually they they sort of create the FPL timeline of the season. Like if you were <laughs> tinkering with your midfield early in the season, you probably have Snodgrass. If you were tinkering five, four or five weeks ago, that's the Joe Allen section of the season. Now we're entering the Gundawan epoch. <laughs> and and I, I'm not sure where we go for here after the Gundawan I can't believe epoch. we're only 11 weeks into the season. I feel like we're like 30, maybe because, maybe because we've done 37 podcasts since the season started or something. I'm not sure why it feels like we're so far into the season already. Uh, okay, one other option, Brandon. Richard Orford says, hey, guys, whispering it quietly, but West Brom players? Brunt out of position, Chadley, Phillips, Rondon, team and forthcoming fixtures on the up. I can't argue with that. And West Brom has really been putting up some some fight uh, the last few weeks. I mean, they, they've shown some real attacking grit. I mean, Matty Phillips, uh, miraculously, he I don't know. First of all, it's controversial that Matty Phillips picked up the number 10 shirt for that team. Like nobody else <laughs> at West Brom wanted number 10. Phillips is just going <laughs> to stroll right in there and grab yeah, it. Chadley shouldn't have been able to take that from him when he joined the squad. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Burnley, Hull, Watford, that's as good as it gets. My issue is um, Nasser Chadley would be the one that I would want to bring in. And a knee injury, that's just not one that you, uh, you slide seamlessly back into form from, I think. I mean, I, I frankly don't know how serious the knee injury is, but I'm I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, Chadley is the one that that I, I'm sort of intrigued by too. I mean, I, his price is pretty appealing. He's only six point five million, which is it's not quite in that that weird middle category. I mean, it's it's a it's an affordable price. Yeah, uh, you know, he's a player that you can have as a fourth midfielder and doesn't screw up your team uh, balance too much. I don't think. Um, you know, Matt Phillips is just too, too inconsistent for me. He's been you know even when he was at QPR, he was kind of inconsistent. I, I just don't totally buy him as a as a as a fourth midfield option i mean he's i guess he's a fifth midfielder but at 5.1 he's a little too expensive to be a fifth oh yeah mid- without a doubt i'd say the same thing but a little a little more lovingly about rondon like he's he's too inconsistent to bring into your squad however though i i always hold a candle for rondon i'll do like him as a player i wish he would be I more mean, consistent you know that richard's a west brom fan because he's suggesting rondon even though he hasn't scored in five game weeks in a row <laughs> 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 yeah, it's true, and uh, I, I mean, good good for Richard for hanging in there during what is uh, <laughs> what is a, a, a lifetime of of boring football. Ah, uh, you know, I'm a Lions fan. It's you know, you're you're born into these squads sometimes. There's nothing you can do. All right, I feel like we got sufficiently mad over midfielders there, Josh. So um, let's take a break, break, catch our breath, and we're going to come back and finish off this episode with just a few more listener questions. Same old podcast. A lot of talk on this podcast about midfielders, Josh, but let's not sleep on the defense. We were talking about West Brom and Richard Orford's beloved team. If I was going to buy anything or suggest you buy a player from West Brom, still, sadly, um, it's a defender. Yeah, uh, there was a question we got from FPL Bet, which is a website I really like. Uh, I've I've liked uh, the last couple of years. I've, I've found myself on there fairly frequently. Uh, it's a very clean website. It's very easy to navigate, which is really what I 
I like my FPL website. It's very easy. And, You're all and about user interface, Jack. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's because I'm a marketer in my, in my, in my career, you know, my professional, my, my real life, the thing that pays me. Uh, so I, I, the aesthetics uh, matter a lot to me. Uh, anyway, FBL bet says, who are the three best budget defenders, uh, 4.6 million max to own going forward based on team defensive form and fixtures. Now, impressively, you and I have named, okay, we actually, we, came, we each came up with three. There's only one double up here. Right. Yeah. Uh, the what the first player that I picked is, uh, Niam. Uh, we may remember Nyam from uh, his his time at Watford. Uh, he joined West Brom. I think did he join them at the? Um, I guess it must have been when the transfer window was closing. And he has he's he's at four point three million. And he started the last several fixtures. And I felt like he was actually reasonably involved in uh, in the Leicester match yesterday. Yeah, he he also was uh, gave birth to a lot of great team names based on Nyam Nyam Nyam. So uh, <laughs> I'll always love Nyam for his his funny name. Here's why I think Nyam is a little bit under the radar and why he is um, why he's at 4.3 million people haven't really been talking about him. So he, you know, he joins the squad. He doesn't play until game week five. He only plays 23 minutes in game week five. Uh, they have a couple of easy fixtures, so they should have probably done a little bit better and, and kept a clean sheet. Uh, but their last four fixtures, they played Tottenham home, Liverpool away, Man City at home, and Leicester away. Those are all four very difficult fixtures. Uh, and the Leicester fixture, they're they're probably a little unlucky not to have a clean sheet. I mean, um, they really dominated that match. It was in also a lot of an ways. off, uh, marginally offside goal by Slimani. Marginally offside goal as well. So, given all that, I don't think it's you have to lose any faith in the West Brom defense. And you know, playing Burnley, Hull, Watford, and Swansea, uh, three three out of those four matches at home in um, in. Uh, for the next five game weeks, I really think that um, I think he's a great option at four point three. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I'm I'm going with George Friend. The fixtures for Berger actually kind of stink, but George Friend. I feel like he's the guy we all started with Friend in our lineup at the start of the season, and we we shed him when we the going narrative was Middlesbrough was just terrible. Right, but they're looking at Chelsea and Leicester coming up until they hit Hull in game week fourteen. But if I've noticed anything about Friend is that he is fighting to the very last minute every match, and not not so much that he's going to get you a yellow card, but his crosses are just spectacular. I mean, the the one to Darun at the end of that City game, notwithstanding, he's got at least two or three of those crosses going every match, and I just love his assist potential no matter who the opponent is. Yeah. And uh, I would never fret. Um, He's got a great mid-90s haircut, too. He does. He looks like <laughs> that guy from Firefly a little I bit. Wish, I wish you could combine his haircut with uh, David, uh, what's his name, um, the NYCFC striker. Um, oh, David Villa? <laughs> I wish you could give George Friend to David Villa 90s goatee, too. <laughs> Can you imagine that whole look? I mean, he would look like he was in, like, like a like a Seattle band or something like that. <laughs> George Friend also goes in the Hall of Fame of guys who play every minute of the match with their shirt tucked in. Mad respect. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the fact that everyone had Friend and then dumped him at the beginning of the season means he's, he's, he's value at 4.4. So take yeah, that for what us. it's worth. Second player that I have listed here as player you have listed as well is uh, Eric Peters, 4.5 million Stoke defender. I, I wanted it to be Jeff Cameron, but he's just he's not yeah. staying healthy enough, I, unfortunately. I yeah. Uh, but Peters has been playing in nearly every match. He was rested, I think, only once. Um, 
Yeah, in, in game week four, uh, or game week five, that is. Uh, we started the last six fixtures, and it's it's a very good run coming up for, for Stoke. Uh, you know, we talked about it with Joe Allen already, but it's uh, home to Bournemouth, away to Watford, home to Burnley in the next three. So, um, yeah, I think that might be uh, might be another good option. I, I don't like him as much as Nyan, but I think he's kind of second on my list. Ben Mee at Burnley. You have to respect Burnley on their home defensive form. And uh, he's at 4.5, one of the cheaper uh, Burnley options. And what more can you say about Burnley? Very stout, very organized, very compact. Um, if, if you look at their fixtures coming up, they face off against West Brom. They do have City in game week 13, but then it's Stoke, Bournemouth, West Ham going into the Spurs match in 17. So um, not a bad look for Burnley. The last player I have is Miguel Britos on Watford, a uh, 4.4 million defender. Watford has been um, a little up and down the last few game weeks, but uh, we know they're capable of keeping a clean sheet. And if if you can't afford Holobos, who I really wish I would have bought him. I, I mean, I know like a lot of managers are, are like he's probably going to be number one because he picked up a minus two. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, was karmic, that was karmic punishment for all you guys who own Holobus. You know you had that coming. <laughs> you had a good too good for too long. It was too, too good for too long. Uh, so Brutos is at four point four million. He's an interesting option. Uh, Sebastian Prottle, if he is healthy, uh, is maybe a good option there as well because uh, I know that he's capable. Of, he's a big you know big big center back and he's capable of. Scoring the occasional headed goal, so he's a big boy. Or, yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, no, I agree. I, Cameron, Cameron and Prottle both would have been in that list for me had either of those guys been healthy. The next question comes from Owen O'Keefe. Does defense even matter when most teams struggle to keep clean sheets? Only one clean sheet last week, and that was so ridiculous. We've talked endlessly uh, throughout the season about the lack of clean sheets, and I felt like we were finally reverting back to the general meme. But just one clean sheet kept by Chelsea, uh, it really ruined a lot of what could have been great scores this weekend for a lot of managers. Yeah, I still have a lot of faith in the Arsenal defense. And, I mean, I brought in Van Dyke, and that feels like a huge fail to me right now. Uh, just a big uh, big error there. I should, I should have gone Chelsea instead of Southampton. It was wishful yeah. thinking because Van Dyke is just such a great player, and he, all eyes have been on him recently. And and Southampton yeah. looked like they were on the ascendancy. It's just the Europa League uh, currently, I, I think, is a detriment to those clean sheets for them. I totally agree, and that you know that's why Austin is still a good option because he's not playing in these Europa League fixtures, or he'll you know come on and play thirty minutes or whatever. But you know Van Dyke is playing one hundred and eighty basically every. He's too good not to play. Yeah, uh, you know, and he scored a goal, uh, you know, against Inter um, in the Europa right. League. So I mean, yeah, I mean, if you if you beat Inter Milan on a Thursday, it's got to be hard to get up for you know playing away to Hull, you know, three days later. Yeah. Now, yeah, definitely keep the faith with your defenders. Spurs, Arsenal still look like they're good for clean sheets going forward. And now we have other expensive defenders that we can invest in. Chelsea. Um, I have. OK, so this this one is kind of a tricky one. I just brought it up because I, I enjoyed thinking about it. Uh, Al Mandrico says, I have a Mott, Holobos, Smith and Walker. Uh, should I just accept that I want to have three defenders or take a hit? Uh, all out attack used already. Happy to hear your thoughts on taking a hit for a defender. So I think this is one of those rare cases where a hit would be. J- okay. The thing is, I think he has Williams too, as his fifth defender, Ashley Williams. So, okay. so if, 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 if Walker doesn't play, then I think you can go ahead and take a hit because you're getting zero points from four defenders. And 
in that case, you've just got to try to find a clean sheet somewhere. I mean, I think I think there are clean sheets to be had in game week twelve. I would be more hesitant to recommend taking the hit, but I do agree. Uh, just because Jordi Amat is out of that lineup. And this is a great opportunity if you have enough cash to turn Amat into a starting 4.5 defender. It is totally worth it here, both to solidify your bench rotation and also because you may, like you're, like you're saying, Josh, not get any points in your defense and you have to rectify that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that you Niam know, would be a great option there, especially at 4.3. I mean, are you... Um, I, you know, West Brom, though, I mean, they're hosting Burnley. Are you are you scared of the Volkswagen? Uh, yeah, man. I'm always <laughs> scared of the Volkswagen. Farfig Nugan. Macaulay, you know, doesn't stand a chance against the locomotion of, I mean, of Sam Volks. <laughs> I mean, you held the faith of Volks for so long, and it actually kind of came good at the end. And now you've—has he scored in the last two game weeks? I do, man. Uh, even though, even though I no longer own Vokes, he is with my team in spirit, and I felt I felt like I got off at the right time. I wasn't pushing my luck too much. I got two goals from him, uh, but he 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 just keeps on going. I guess he's this year's Dia Mercy Embakani, isn't he? It's the no, Volkswagen. No, he's actually better than Dia Mercy Embakani. <laughs> dare I say? Oh, well, oh, actually, you're, you're, you're talking about like talisman for the for the podcast. And Bacani is a talisman, Brandon. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. No, but Vokes is actually talented. <laughs> That's true. Uh, all right. Um, Dini, Trey Dini. We have two questions about Dini here. Uh, Andrew Ferguson said, what has happened to Dini? He looked like a good option a few weeks ago. Uh, should have bought Vokes instead. Yeah. Uh, Farfic Dugan. In, 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 in Potch, we trust, says, uh, I have one transfer out. Who do I get rid of? Callum Wilson or Deeney? Uh, Watford look atrocious going forward, uh, but Bournemouth have tuck, uh, tough fixtures. I think that I, of the two, I would bring in, uh, or I, I would drop uh, Wilson over Deeney. Interesting. I, I think the Dean. I just think that Deeney is a better player, and I think Watford's fixtures are a little bit better as well. And I mean, everything kind of right. I agree that Watford haven't looked as good the last couple of game weeks, although they had, they forced some pretty good saves out of uh, Loris Karius. Uh, I just think long term, I trust Watford's attack a little more than I trust Bournemouth's attack. And Bournemouth do tend to spread the points out quite a bit. I, I yeah, it's, really, all, it's all the defenders. I really don't understand why everyone was so bullish on Callum Wilson the last few weeks. I mean, a lot of people were were promoting bringing him into your team. And yeah, I, I don't really understand it either. I, I I mean, I guess part of it is you just want someone different. Yeah. You know, I mean, he hasn't scored the last. He hadn't even scored the two game weeks before that. So yeah, I thought it was a little strange too. And given the fact that we've all pretty much written Ibrahimovic off, you should have enough money to carry somebody more expensive than Callum Wilson as a third striker. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Austin is such a great option there. Yeah, I mean, Dini, Dini on penalties. Watford won't be this garbage for long, and I, they did run into a total buzzsaw with Liverpool. I think Dini will be okay long term. Uh, last question comes from Kuda Goffrey. He says, is Aguero no longer FPL essential? Current top five in the world don't own him. Uh, rest we in talked peace, about- rest in peace, Kuda Godfrey. Rest in peace, top <laughs> five managers in the world. Yeah, I do think you need Aguero long term. I mean, we're, we're, we're a two weeks removed from him scoring 17 points. We're one week removed. You know, I mean, it just happened a week from last Sunday. Yeah. Or Saturday, whatever. 
And just think about all those um, bench boost and triple captainships left to be played by, you know, the the astute managers that are actually listening to always cheating. The top five in the world, dare I say, um, they, they, I do want, well, actually, I need to do a little research here. Like, are the, are the current top five people who have already played their, their triple captainships and, and so on yeah. and so forth? Because that is a big question I have. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think given that we have these kind of chips now, I, I don't know that you can really trust the top, the top five, the top ten, the top twenty-five, really, until you get to like game week thirty-four or thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the, it's the, the the problem with Aguero is the age-old problem, which is that if you bring him out and he runs into a really good patch form, you have to find a way to bring him into your team, and he's always so damn expensive that it's really difficult to do. Uh, and you have to do major surgery, you know, to, like you have to burn four or burn eight or something to try to bring him back into your squad. Um, and his fixtures are pretty good coming up anyway. So I, I, I don't think that getting rid of Aguero is the way to go. Um, there are times when I, when I admittedly will root for an Aguero injury, uh, just because it's always like the, the thought of having all of that Aguero money to spread around your team is so tempting, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like sometimes it just feels like it's, you just, you just kind of lock that money up and throw away the key. You know, it's like, oh, there's 13 million just gone. I feel like the Aguero narrative has been, uh, it's, it's incomplete because he missed three games and you can't, it, it's, it makes it that much harder to judge his form. I mean, I yeah. know he's, he's had some uh, trouble fitting into Pep's squad, but he still has the goals in him. Yeah. In, in I mean, the, he, scored, in, he scored this game week and he, he should have had two. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're one miss away from him being on 13 points this game week. I will say this in defense of the, the current top five. I mean, to, to win, the FPL game, you have to be the one who who jumps first, who sees the trend before anybody else does. So maybe we'll be wrong in 10 weeks, and Aguero is, is really stinky in 10 <laughs> weeks' time. And, yeah, every, and, I mean, and, and these yeah. people knew it before we did. But the fact is, with Aguero, we have many, many seasons over of, of data that shows that Aguero... Well, that will not happen to him, at least to the degree that it would matter. Yeah, I I agree. Keep Aguero. Just deal with deal with the, the lost money. All right, Josh. The, un- the unspent dollar. Dosa zero. What do you think? <laughs> Dosa zero. All right, Brandon. That that's it for this podcast. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna deal with our game week. Uh, we're gonna deal with the pr- deal with. That sounds like we have to do this podcast. We we enjoy doing this podcast. <laughs> we're gonna talk. Yourself. We're going to talk about Game Week 12 on next week's podcast. And remember, if you have any questions or comments, thoughts on how you would change the FPL game, what would you do differently? Uh, what would you like them to introduce next year? Uh, you know, let's let's get them all together. Maybe we'll like maybe we'll take the top five and we'll like email the website and see if we can get a response from them or something like that. Oh, you that's know, a good to, idea. Yeah, we can try to get somebody from, who manages the game on the podcast. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to hear somebody come up with the craziest chip idea. Like, what's the what's the most? And and, and it can't be like quadruple captain. <laughs> That's too easy. Yeah. So uh, if, right. if if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can find us on iTunes. You can find just search "Always Cheating," "Hell Cheaters," whatever you want. And on iTunes, it really helps us out if you can leave us a, a kind, positive review. We'd, we'd appreciate it. Find the podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. 
can also follow us on Twitter. We're at uh, at Hail Cheaters. Uh, we're Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. You can also email us, HailCheaters at gmail.com. You can find all our content and the occasional article to boot on uh, AlwaysCheating.com as well. Josh, I was at the uh, appalling NYCFC final playoff game last night. The only thing that made the 5 nothing drubbing by Toronto palatable was the ongoing chant by the fans shouting, We want Poku. So <laughs> I, leave, I leave you this episode saying, We want Poku. Yeah, that's very much the Where's Wallace string uh, moment <laughs> of the season for NYCFC. All right, Brandon, uh, and Bacani forever. Hail cheaters. Have mercy. Oh!